Lamentations chapter 2. And I mentioned last week we were going to begin to spend some time in the book of Lamentations. Uh, six weeks, I think, is what we will do. Uh, <clears throat> we'll spend two weeks on the third Lamentation, the middle. They are, of course, laments about the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the captivity of the nation of Judah, uh, the nation of Samaria has already been carried away captive. <clears throat> there is, we will see this when we get into the fourth of the Lamentations, there is very much um, a day of the Lord dimension to these, to, the, to, to God's activity here. Uh, the day of the Lord, we would we would understand to be the tribulation, uh, but <clears throat> uh, there is very much a day of the Lord dimension to it. So our portion this evening, and we will read through it as we go. Let's pray, and we will turn our attention to Lamentation number 2. Father, please again work in us in such a way that we understand the value and the relevance and the appropriateness of your word to our lives to our situations. You are eternal, but we are not. And we are pretty nearsighted in our focus. Open our eyes, under, expand our understanding, we ask. Bless our time, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, and I assume that you know that your study Bible may point it out, uh, the Lamentations, every one of them, uh, is an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So 1, 2, 4, and 5 have 22 verses. Uh, Lamentations chapter 3 has 66 verses. So three verses are given to each letter of the alphabet. Um, and I mentioned last week that I think a good way to think of this is to think of it in terms of organized, categorical, systematic thinking about suffering. And in, and in fact... I'm, I'm very comfortable <clears throat> in saying this about the first four. I haven't worked through number five closely enough yet to, to say this. But in the first lamentation <clears throat> that we dealt with last week, the, the focus of the lament is the perspective of the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Judah. And that is the kind of the focus. That is the voice that is speaking and that is the perspective that is being brought. In Lamentations number three, the perspective is that of Jeremiah, and we will see that his, his personal, the Lamentations number three is very personal in nature. Jeremiah talks about himself in his perspective. Uh, Lamentations number four, <clears throat> the fourth lament, has as its perspective people. People. And Lamentations number two, our, our portion for this evening, has as its focus the Lord. This is a lament that has as its perspective the Lord. And the emphasis of Lamentations number two is God's anger expressed upon Israel. 
And in fact, let's just begin by reading the first seven verses. And we will read about the expression of God's anger. How hath the Lord covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger, and cast down from heaven unto the earth the beauty of Israel, and remembered not his footstool in the day of his anger, The Lord hath swallowed up all the habitations of Jacob, and hath not pitied. He hath thrown down in his wrath the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He hath brought them down to the ground. He hath polluted the kingdom and the princes thereof. He hath cut off in his fierce anger all the horn of Israel. He hath drawn back his right hand from before the enemy. And he burned against Jacob like a flaming fire, which devoureth round about. He hath bent his bow like an enemy. He stood with his right hand as an adversary, and slew all that were pleasant to the eye in the tabernacle of the daughter of Zion. He poured out his fury like fire. The Lord was as an enemy. He hath swallowed up Israel. He hath swallowed up all her palaces. He hath destroyed his strongholds and hath increased in the daughter of Judah mourning and lamentation. And he hath violently taken away his tabernacle as if it were of a garden. He hath destroyed his places of the assembly. The Lord hath caused the solemn feasts and Sabbaths to be forgotten in Zion. He hath desp- and hath despised in the indignation of his anger the king and the priest. The Lord hath cast off his altar. He hath abhorred his sanctuary. He hath given up into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. They have made a noise in the house of the Lord as in the day of a solemn feast. And we'll just stop right there for now. But here is the expression of God's anger. And we're going to kind of, we're going to, Right? I'm going to put my neck on the chopping block this evening, but we're going, to, we're going to do Lamentations chapter 2 by the numbers. By the numbers. God's anger expressed, verses 1 through 7, 26 violent verbs. 26 violent verbs. <clears throat> the theme of the lamentation, folks, is the anger of the Lord. In verse number 1, his anger is mentioned twice. In verse number 3, it is his fierce anger. In number 4, it is his fury. In verse number 6, it is the indignation of his anger. We did not yet read it, but in verse number 1, it is his anger, thine anger. And in verse number 22, it is the day of the Lord's anger. 26 verbs, only two of them are repeated. 24 of them are their own standalone individual anger. He has covered Israel with his anger like it was a cloud or a blanket. He has smothered it with his anger. He has thrown down the beauty of Israel from heaven as if to get it out of his sight. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. That's just verse number one. Verse number two, he has swallowed up the inhabitants of the land. He has not pitied. 
He has brought them down to the ground as if he punched them and knocked them out. He has polluted the kingdom and the princes. He has defiled them. He who is purity has defiled his people. That's verse 2. Verse number 3, he has cut off the horn of Israel. And horns are symbols of strength. That's the way they're used in a representative, in imagery sense. They are representative of strength. He has cut off the horn of Israel. He has drawn back his hand. He has burned like fire which devours. He has consumed them with the flame of his anger. That's verse 3. Verse number 4, he has bent his bow. He himself has become our adversary. He stands as our enemy. He slew everything that was good and pleasant. He poured out his anger. That's verse 4. Verse 5, he was our enemy. He has swallowed Israel and her palaces. He has destroyed her fortresses. He has increased sorrow and lamentation. Multiplied it. That's verse 5. Verse 6, he has violently taken away his tabernacle. The place where he himself lived. He has destroyed the assembly places. The church buildings. What happened to them? God took them out. That's what happened to them. He has despised both king and priest. He has spurned them and abhorred them and blasphemed them. Those are other Old Testament uses of the same Hebrew word. That's verse 6. Verse number 7, he has cast off his altar. He has thrown it away. He has abhorred, hated his sanctuary. He has given up Jerusalem's walls and palaces. God's anger expressed 26 violent verbs. There's the numbers. Let's turn our attention now to verses 7 through 16. Verse verse number, number, I'm sorry, verse number, I'm going to go back to verse number 7. The Lord hath cast off his altar, he hath abhorred his sanctuary, he hath given up into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. They have made a noise in the house of the Lord, as in the day of a solemn feast. The Lord hath purposed to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. He hath stretched out a line. He hath not withdrawn his hand from destroying. Therefore he made the rampart and the wall to lament. They languished together. Her gates are sunk into the ground. He hath destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the Gentiles. The law is no more. Her prophets also find no vision from the Lord. The elders of the daughter of Zion sit upon the ground and keep silence. They have cast up dust upon their heads. They have girded themselves with sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem hang down their heads to the ground. Mine eyes do fail with tears. My bowels are troubled. My liver is poured upon the earth. 
for the destruction of the daughter of my people because the children and the sucklings swoon in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, where is corn and wine? When they swooned as the wounded in the streets of the city, when their soul was poured out into their mother's bosom, what thing shall I take to witness for thee? What thing shall I liken to thee, O daughter of Jerusalem? What shall I equal to thee that I may comfort thee, O virgin daughter of Zion? For thy breach is great like the sea. Who can heal thee? Thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things for thee. And they have not discovered thine iniquity to turn away thy captivity, but have seen for thee false burdens and causes of banishment. All that pass by clap their hands at thee. They hiss and wag their head at the daughter of Jerusalem, saying, Is this the city that men call the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? All thine enemies have opened their mouth against thee. They hiss and gnash the teeth. They say, We have swallowed her up. Certainly this is the day that we look for. We have found. We have seen it. So verses 1 through 7, 26 violent verbs, the Lord's anger expressed. Verses 7 through 16, the Lord's anger experienced. Seven tragic testimonies. <clears throat> what is it like for those who are on the receiving end of God's ferocious anger? Well, in verse number 7, they must listen to the sound of the enemy celebrating in their sacred places. They must listen to the sound of the enemy celebrating in their sacred places. Imagine, folks, if the churches in America were turned, well, some of them are, into casinos and into taverns and into movie theaters where unbelievers came and celebrated their victory over God and religion. In verses 8 and 9, they must live with the sight of a destroyed city and a silent deity. God says nothing. As if in the, as like in the days of Saul, when Saul inquired of the Lord and the Lord just wouldn't answer. They had to endure the silence of the Lord. In verses 10 and 11, Jeremiah talks about the sorrow of the people. That they are sad. And in verses 12 and 13, he talks about the suffering of the people. A suffering that is unparalleled. Let's go back, if we could please, and look at verse number 13 just to make sure that we capture <clears throat> the essence of what is going on here. What thing shall I take to witness for thee? What thing shall I liken to thee, O daughter of Jerusalem? What shall I equal to thee, <clears throat> that I may comfort thee? What could I say to you that would be in any way comparable to what you are experienced? What could I show you? What could I go back into the history books, into the library, and discover pictures of? What could I show you by way of devastation that compares to what you're experiencing. There is nothing. What you are experiencing is unparalleled. 
Nothing in the world that you know has ever experienced what you, Jerusalem, and Judah have experienced through the anger of your God. There is nothing like it anywhere. In verse number 14, he talks about the silliness of their leadership. The silliness of their leadership. Rather than telling them the truth, their leadership told them lies. That's something we will return to in the fourth lamentation. Rather than telling them the truth, they lied to them. And I would just refer you, we will not look at it this evening, <clears throat> excuse me, but if you wanted to read it, for example, Jeremiah 28. And the foolish yoke of the false prophets. And in verses 15 and 16, in what is kind of a literary inclusio, beginning and ending with the same thought they must listen to the sarcasm of their enemies. What is translated hiss in our King James Bible refers actually to whistling. Catcalls is the idea. Not the hiss of a snake, but the catcall of a whistle. These people are experiencing horrific sorrow and sadness. <clears throat> In Psalm 137, which is one of the psalms written during the captivity, by the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our harps. There our captives required of us songs. Sing us the songs of Zion. Hey, captives, sing us one of the songs of God's great victories. Why don't, you, why don't you pull one of them out? I mean, it would be like, and I'm really not trying to pick on the song, but it's a song that's really anchored in terribly flawed theology. It would be as if the government rounded us all up and sent us to concentration camps for being Christians, and along the way somebody said, you know what I'd really like for you guys to do? Why, don't, why not give us a rousing rendition of Higher ground. Pressing on the upward way, new heights we're gaining every day. Sing us one of God's songs. Go ahead. We'd love to hear it. They were hungry. They were homeless. They were persecuted. They were devastated. The anger of the Lord expressed. 26 violent verbs. The anger of the Lord experienced. Seven tragic testimonies. And that brings us then to the final portion, verses 17 through 22. The Lord hath done that which he had devised. He hath fulfilled his word that he had commanded in the days of old. He hath thrown down and hath not pitied. He hath caused thine enemy to rejoice over thee. He hath set up the horn of thine adversaries. Their heart cried unto the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears run down like a river day and night. Give thyself no rest. Let not the apple of thine eye cease. 
Arise, cry out in the night, in the beginning of the watches, pour out thine heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift up thy hands toward him for the life of thy young children that faint for hunger in the top of every street. Behold, O Lord, and consider to whom thou hast done this. Shall the women eat their fruit and children of a span long? Shall the priest and the prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? The young and the old lie on the ground in the streets. My virgins and my young men are fallen by the sword. Thou hast slain them in the day of thine anger. Thou hast killed and hast not pitied. Thou hast called as in a solemn day my terrors round about, so that in the day of the Lord's anger none escaped nor remained. Those that I have swaddled and brought up hath mine enemy consumed. The Lord's anger expressed, verses 1 through 7. The Lord's anger experienced, verses 7 through 16. The Lord's anger entreated, verses 17 through 22. One prayer. One prayer. Jeremiah begins in verse number 17 by pointing out that God has fulfilled his word. That he had mentioned a long time ago. You may find those words in Leviticus 26 and in Deuteronomy 27 and 28. They are there. God had said to Israel, now, if you don't follow me, this is what's going to happen. And this is what I'm going to do. And now he has done it. God has fulfilled his word, verse 18 and 19. There is nothing to do but pray. There is nothing to do. There, there is no economic solution to this. There's no economy left. There's no military solution to this. Our soldiers are laying dead in the streets of the city. There is no hope. There is no recovery. There is no Federal Reserve Bank who can adjust the interest rates to stimulate spending. There is no religious platform left. The temple is gone. The altar is gone. The priests are gone. You see how desperate the people are, folks. You see how desperate the people are. Verse number 20, Behold, O Lord, and consider to whom hast thou done this. Shall the women eat their fruit and children of a span long? Shall the mothers be compelled to eating their infants in order to survive? That's how desperate they are. And how bad is it? It is this bad. The priests and the prophets are slain in the sanctuary of the Lord. In the Lord's safe place, a sanctuary. Shall the priests be killed in the safest place known in the community. These are a devastated people. They're a devastated people. And so in verses 20 through 22, you really get to the bottom, to the, to the heart of the prayer. It's really a very pitiful prayer. It is really a very pitiful prayer. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's, you know, it's not a David-like, God, you're great and a mighty warrior and look at the great things you have done. It is, God, look at us. We're eating our children. Our young, and, our young people are dead in the street. Our priests are dying in the sanctuary. Our buildings are, look at, you did this to us. Look at us. 
Turn your attention to us. Remember us. Take pity upon us is the implication. So that is the second lamentation. The second lament. The first, as I said, has, I believe, as its emphasis, the city itself. The city speaks about its destruction. In lamentation number two, God speaks. I mean, all of it's the Lord's word. But the focus of Lamentations 2 is God's anger. How did this happen? How did this happen? It is the anger of the Lord. Let me make three observations in closing. And we will move on to the prayer portion this evening. Number one, this anger is purposed. God is not a raging lunatic. God is not like so many of our mass school shooters who just begin to fire randomly and then kill themselves. Look at verse number 17, folks. The Lord hath done that which he had devised. Or as we used to say back when I was in Bible college, plan your work and work your plan. This was the plan of the Lord. Verse number 8 makes the same argument. This was something that God had purposed to do. Now we will learn this next week. His heart's not in it. But it is what he intended to do. This is what I said I would do. You have a long history of disobedience. This is what I'm going to do. And this is what I did. So God is not a madman and he's not running around out of control and he doesn't need to be restrained. What he is doing is completely control. Secondly, in this lament, there is no direct mention of Israel's sin. God is angry and his anger is expressed and his anger is experienced. The closest thing that there is is to a cause, and that is verse number 17. The Lord hath done that which he had devised. He hath fulfilled his word that he had commanded in the days of old. But there's not, folks, a lengthy listing. There's not an itemized list of all that Israel had done wrong. That, this is not the place for that. This is a sad song about a sad situation. And then finally, it is worthy of note that Jeremiah does and calls us to do what is the only thing that can be done, and that is to beg the Lord for mercy. That is the only, that is the only thing left for them to do. Which is not, by the way, an entirely bad thing. It is, it is not really an entirely bad thing to be brought to the place where the only resource left to us is the Lord. And that's where Jeremiah ends. Look at us. Look at what you have done to us. And then into number three again, he will turn his attention to his own experiences. We will look, begin to look at that next week. All right. We're